Amen. What a beautiful day to be uh, inside where it's warm and cozy and uh, where we have fellowship and we can worship the Lord together. So welcome to you all. Amen. I'd like to uh, take it. Let's take a quick minute and pray for um, Anthony's mom, her house. Uh, burned to the ground last night. There's nothing left but the rail on the front. It's quite a tragedy, and as most of you know, um, Anthony's dad, her husband, passed away a few months ago, nine months ago. So it's quite a, um, yeah, it's, it would be very hard. So let's just remember them real quick this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you, and Lord, as Lord, you've promised to never leave us or forsake us, and and God, I pray that you would just make that very real to Anthony's mom, and uh, Lord, just bring comfort and shelter. Lord, um, I can't imagine what it'd be like losing everything, your home that you've lived in for a long time, and all your possessions and everything, uh, especially just a short time after her husband uh, went to be with you. And Lord, I pray that you would bring comfort, that you would bring healing. Um, Lord, it's something only you can do, Lord. Um, Lord, you're so good to us, and I pray that you would just provide for her. God, give uh, Anthony and his brother and his sisters just the grace to minister to their mom and and share your love. God, would you just bless their day, and um, God, make a way through this time for them. Just lift them to you and trust, and we trust that you will take care of them. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Welcome to each of you, and welcome to those uh, viewing online. We're glad you're with us, and we're here to worship the Lord this morning. Amen? amen. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Say amen. 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 All right. Let's stand up and, and sing, You're Worthy of My Praise.
worship you alone are worthy of my praise. Amen, Lord Jesus, as we're gathered here this morning, Lord, I pray that our hearts would truly be in awe of who you are, God, and that you would show us what it means to really worship you, Lord, not just with our words, but with our actions, with our life, God. Lord, we want to live to glorify and praise you because you are worthy, Lord, because you are good and you are almighty God, Lord. And we just lift you high this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope this next song can be or is the prayer of each one of you here this morning. Uh, I give you my heart. works good during practice.
were studying Philippians 1 with the youth uh, Friday night, and this verse really stuck out to me. It's verse 9 of chapter 1, and it says, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. And as we were looking at that verse, I had never looked at it in the way that I looked at it Friday night, but that my love, I do need God's help even in the way that I love. Even in the, in the way that I give my love to others, I need his love, not, not just because of knowledge, like I can study the scripture to learn how to love, but I need to do it with discernment. And I just really was struck by that. And not only that, but in the way that also I think that I can love the Lord through knowledge and discernment in even that way with him, in doing it correctly. And we always just, I always, and myself, I just think, well, it's love. You just love unconditionally. But it's actually talking about loving with knowledge and discernment.
was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. You know, I, I think it, that's one side of it. It was his love for us. It was the Father's justice that held him there. Um, so many things until it was accomplished, but he did it. And that last verse, why should I gain from his reward? Can't give an answer. But this I know with all my heart, that his wounds have paid my ransom. It's a debt we could never pay. Um, Jesus paid it all. I think this next song sums that up really well. Is he worthy? Sing with all our hearts. Jesus, our Messiah. 
seated and I'll turn the time over. And to each of you, welcome and it's good to see the visitors here with us. I hope you feel blessed today and feel in or feel free to join in in the worship. Thank you praise team for the songs you've shared this morning. Um, yeah, it's kind of been a little bit on my uh, my mind this past week and all and when I heard news about Anthony's mom or about her house being burnt down just realize in the last couple of weeks how fragile life is and how temporal things are on this earth. Um, I had a cousin of mine. Uh, her son had gotten killed in an accident earlier in the week. And then about two weeks ago, a cousin of mine's daughter also had a head-on collision, which, thank God, she was able to survive, but very, very critical condition. And then about a week ago, my wife had a cousin that died in a kayaking accident. And so it's just been a reminder for me how temporal 
things are on this earth, even including our, our own bodies, you know. Um, so anyway, um, for announcements this morning, um, just kind of backing up, we're having communion this morning, and um, for sorry children, I guess there is no children's time this morning, there's children's time, just not up front, okay. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, Brother Phil will be bringing us a word, then after that we'll have communion, he wanted me to announce the uh, smaller double doors here at the counter. Um, Phil will take over then, but um, just file through for the cups and the bread and all, and then come back to your seats and we'll um, partake together. Um, if you look in your programs, this uh, Friday night, there's a game night again here at the church. Uh, feel free to come, bring friends, friends, games snacks, whatever you wish. Um, there's also, um, I don't have a whole lot of information myself, but it's a Walker Hemsing. It's over in Fort Collins, June the 19th. Um, feel free to come. Friends, uh, anyone, that's, anyone and everyone is welcome to come. Um, it says, come early and bring a picnic dinner to enjoy with your family. Lawn chairs and blankets. Uh, so, yep. Maybe want to bring some bug spray along. I'm starting to feel them mosquitoes coming on. <laughs> um, and then also next Sunday, David Morgan from the Windsor Christian Fellowship will be here sharing the word with us. So, uh, yeah, just bring that to your attention as well. Um, so I guess at this time, uh, time to turn the time over to Brother Phil. Yes, sir. Thank you, Steve. Anybody else? All right. Uh, why don't we bow our for water prayer yet? Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for who you are. Lord, we, are, uh, we call you worthy to be praised that you receive all the honor and glory in everything that we do. Father, we just... Pray uh, for Brother Phil as he brings your word to us. Open our hearts and our minds to you, Father. And, Lord, we can apply these things into our heart and into our daily lives. Lord, be with him. Give him words to speak. Anoint him with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we just pre, uh, pray for the remainder of this service. Lord, we just lift up your name. And so we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. It is on. There we go. Okay. Um, can we just take a moment and pray for Barb again? I was talking to Brian. Some of you guys who were here a few weeks ago, um, I told you about Brian and Barb and how Barb went through surgery. Was it her knee? Yeah. Yeah. And so she's just starting therapy now, right? And so let's just take a moment to pray for her. And then also let's pray for John and Maggie. Um, they got sick kids this morning, and so I know sometimes, especially moms, sick kids can be a challenging day, especially when it's pouring rain outside, right? <laughs> and so uh, let's just take a moment to pray for them. Father, we come to you, and we thank you for Brother Brian and Sister Barb. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would minister your grace to them, 
Father, especially as Barb begins therapy and the pain that is associated many times with that therapy. Lord, we pray that you would give her your grace and she would feel, Lord, and know that you are her helper. Even though she may have physical helpers, Lord, I pray that her inner man would be strengthened with all might by your Holy Spirit and she would be rooted and grounded in the fact that you love her. And she would, Lord Jesus, through this time, experience your peace. Father, we thank you for them. And we also pray for John and Maggie as their children are sick this morning, that you would bless them, that you would minister your grace to them, Lord Jesus, and you would touch the children and heal them. In Jesus' name, amen. Since we're having uh, the breaking of bread, celebrating the Lord's dinner, I'm just going to have a short word that the Lord put on my heart to share with you to encourage you. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke out of Romans chapter 12. Anyone want to tell me what Romans chapter 12 speaks to you about? How does it speak to you and encourage you? Anyone? What does it begin with? Someone tell me. Okay, I'll give you a clue. It begins with the Holy Spirit begging you for something. What is he begging you and me to do? Worship? How? How do you worship? A living sacrifice. Steve? Your whole being. Yes. I beg you, brothers, it begins, that you present your body a living sacrifice which is your spiritual act of worship. I'll let you get back down so you don't distract him. There, now everybody look at me again. Your body, a living act of worship. Very, very important, or the Holy Spirit wouldn't use those strong words, I beg you. Has anyone ever begged you for anything lately? Not lately? Well, that's because you don't have little kids anymore, Steve. Little kids, even big kids, medium-sized kids, they beg me nonstop, don't they? Beg you, parents, almost every day. Can I have a, I mean, you go into the gas station, right? Your kids never ask for a candy bar or anything delicious in there. They're just, they just go to the restroom and go right back out into the vehicle as quickly as they can, right? Nope. Not our kids. They're begging for something. And many times the begging is no. Daddy says no, not today. Or there's a compromise, maybe a healthy one. Is that how you respond to God? Have you ever experienced your dad, your parents begging you for something? Well, I hope you have because your daddy in heaven is begging you that you would present him yourself, your body as an act of worship. But that emphasis was last Sunday. This Sunday, I want to give you the reason why. The reason why that God would take the time out of his busy schedule, God of the universe would speak into your heart individually, look you in the eye and beg you for something, for that act of worship, is because his sacrifice 
has already been done. And His sacrifice is so great that it draws worship from His children. It draws worship. And that's the only way, dear brother, sister, you will be inspired. You and I will actually worship Him in spirit and in truth. Remember the story in John chapter 4 when Jesus came to the woman at the well. Actually, Jesus was at the well in Samaria and a woman was there drawing water. And they began this dialogue. And in the conversation, she brought up the fact that the Jews say everyone should go to Jerusalem to worship. But our fathers, they worshiped in this mountain. Now, who she was referring to was Jeroboam, a wicked, evil king who took ten tribes away and broke away from Rehoboam after Solomon's son came across very strongly and said, I'll make my dad's whip a whip of thorns and his, his arm, the strength of his arm will be my little finger's strength. And that's how he was going to rule over them. So they left and they made Jeroboam king. And when Jeroboam became king, he said, now, wait a minute. If all of these 10 tribes, these thousands of people still go up to Jerusalem to worship, their hearts are going to be drawn back to Rehoboam, the house of David. This is not good for me. If I want to be their king, I'm going to build an altar on this mountain of Samaria. And that's where I'm going to cause the people to come and worship. And so he did. He built a shrine and an idol. And that's where the Samaritans worshipped to that day. That's what that woman was referring to. And Jesus answered her with these words. I tell you, woman, the real place of worship is not Jerusalem or this mountain, but where real worship is. Where is it? What did the Lord say? It's with those who worship in spirit, the inner man. Not an outward sacrifice. I go get my best lamb out of my flock, bring it to an altar and sacrifice it. It happens inside of you. Real worship does demand your body. But it's done inside your body. Your inner man is where real worship Fellowship with God happens there. And Jesus said, God is looking for those. I tell you, that's real worship, Jesus said. And God is looking. Who is a real worshiper in this place today? And I believe every day the Holy Spirit is moving over the earth. And he's looking for his children who are real worshipers that morning. There are many reading their Bibles. There are many having quiet time. There are many murmuring a quick prayer over breakfast and grabbing a cup of coffee and running to work. There are many who come to church on a Sunday morning and they do the thing. But where are the real worshipers? Those whom the Holy Spirit connects with in their heart. And he finds real worship there. Fellowship. And he communicates from heaven to earth to that inner man. And it's received back 
into heaven. Heaven receives worship from that inner person. Are you one of those? God's looking for you. And this reason, the reason for this real worship is only made possible by the celebration we're doing here today. And so as you, as a born-again child of God, come today, and in this church fellowship, we, we have an open communion. We call it for anyone who is a born-again child of God. You're welcome to go and take a piece of bread and take a cup of grape juice and enter into that celebration of Christ's redeeming love over your life. When you do that, is it going to be an act of worship in your inner man or just something that you do? Because, well, that's what Jesus told us to do, to do this. The words the Lord brought to my heart as I was pondering this truth all week. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. You may turn your Bibles there with me if you have your Bibles. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And by common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. And when you read that word godliness, I don't know what it means like, what it means to you, but to me, when I read that word, I read it this way. God-likeness. God making me like him. And that's what every child of God has been predestined for in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Many know verse 28, right? All things work together for good to those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose. Lucas reminds me of that every time I get a little frustrated when things go wrong. Well, Dad, you know, all things are working together for good. It's a great reminder of that. Just a moment I need it. Verse 29, I'll read it to you very quickly so I don't misquote it because it is incredibly important and you may not have memorized it. Verse 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined. He set a destination for your soul. That's what predestined means. The root word is destination, destined. You're going somewhere. To be conformed to the image of his son. That's your destination. That's the destination God has set his love upon us for. Every one of his children, the moment you are born again and through faith believe in his name and receive his Holy Spirit within you, you have a destination for your soul is to be conformed into the image of his son. Heaven, God the Father, the Holy Spirit communicates the Lord Jesus' purpose on your life. That moment is set upon you and all of heaven comes to bear upon your life this destination. Every angel is commissioned to help you to that destination. Every experience that God allows and God does in your life is for this destination. His love is set upon us to predestine us to be conformed into his image. And everything is working towards that end in your life. Whether you accept it or not, that's God's purpose. Set on every one of his born-again children. 
to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Godliness is set for you and me. And great is this mystery. Paul is saying, the Holy Spirit is saying, have you figured it all out? It's really a great mystery. And many times we are mystified by it, right? We don't fully grasp the purpose of it. And that's why Habakkuk said it would be this way. The just shall live by his faith. The just shall live by his faith. Have you read that word in Habakkuk lately? I wonder, the reason I'm quoting him, it's the first time it's quoted in the Bible, but it's also in this context, which is not quoted anywhere else. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. But as for the proud one, wait, what? Yeah, he's talking to the proud ones. As for the proud one, his soul is not right within him. The moment there's pride in your heart, it's not right. It's never right in you. That moment, things go wrong. And here's what goes wrong. In 1 Peter chapter 5, the Holy Spirit says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You want God blocking you that day? Oh, God's the best blocker. You think you know of a good linebacker or a, what do they call those guys who block the other guys in football? Because people like to watch football nowadays and you see these big 300-pounders blocking you. They're not a blockade at all. God opposes the proud. In other words, he says, he resists you. That word means he's fighting against you. Now, that's not right. There's nothing going to go right for you when God fights against you. Read the stories of the people God fought against. You want to be in their camp? Not me. And there were plenty of them. They're all recorded here. When God resisted the proud. But when God gives grace to the humble, that word grace is help. God comes along and he helps you. You want to be in their camp? You can read their stories too. One man kills a thousand. It's amazing when God helps you. Way beyond what you can even ever ask or think to do is true, happens to you when God helps you. As for the proud, his soul is not right within him, but the opposite, the righteous will live by his faith. So it tells me, God says, the opposite of faith is pride. So if you're not living by faith, you're the proud one. That's it. You can make all the excuses in the world. That's pride. Either you are living by your faith in the mystery of godliness concerning you, God making you like him. You are living by faith or you're the proud one. And God's fighting against you so that you'll come to live by faith. See, that's the greatest act of love. God fighting against you. 
Because if he wouldn't fight against you, he wouldn't care. He wouldn't care. He'd just be neutral about you. Do your own way. Do your life. Do whatever you want. And I don't care. Neutral. But God does care for every soul. And so either God fights against you, as Jesus told Paul when he met him on the road to Damascus. Paul thought he was doing God an act of service. He was zealous for it. He was working on God's behalf against these wicked, evil, rebellious Christians. But the Holy Spirit met him. And Paul says, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. And by the way, Paul, it is very hard for you to kick against the pricks or to fight against me. You're fighting me, Paul. That's very difficult for you because God loved him. Great is the mystery of godliness. 1 Timothy chapter 3. I had to go there in Habakkuk because to me, that word clarifies, defines it for me. It keeps it very straightforward. Either I'm proud and God is fighting against me because he loves me, or I'm going to live by faith in God's work of the mystery of godliness in my life. Verse 16, and by common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh, and I want to look at these different points. We're going to read it. He who was revealed in the flesh, point one, was vindicated in the spirit, point two, beheld by angels, point three, proclaimed among the nations, point four, believed on, faith in the world, point five, taken up in glory, six. Those six points. Let's read them again. And by common confession, that means everyone's confessing this. Great is the mystery of godliness. He, Jesus, was revealed in the flesh, was vindicated in the spirit, beheld by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up to glory. Those six points are incredibly important and yet they're a great mystery of godliness. Jesus Christ coming in the flesh. The first one is very particularly put first for this reason. If Jesus has not come in the flesh, you are still in your sins. He that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, 1 John tells us. But if you don't confess that, that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, then you're not any of his. That difference between light and darkness, between death and life, between being an alien and a foreigner to God's family or being a part of God's family, a child of God, is in that faith and confession. It's no light thing. It's the first thing of the mystery of godliness. He was revealed in the flesh. Two scriptures I want you to look at. You can turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 1. 
In John chapter 1, John testifies of this truth. We're going to begin reading in verse 9. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. That light, Jesus Christ, God himself became flesh. That lightens every man. You're in a world of darkness, lost, hopeless. All you get to live for is the hamster life. You know what a hamster does? What does a hamster do with his life? Anyone tell me? That's all he does every day. He jumps on that little wheel and he spins. That little wheel. And the next day, he wakes up and he does the same thing. That little wheel spins. And the next day, he does the same thing. And the next day, and the next day, and then the next day, he's dead. That's all he did with his whole life. Spun the wheel. I call it the hamster life. That's all you and I ever do with our whole life. Unless Jesus Christ comes into your flesh. Unless you believe that he became a man for a reason. He became a human being. God became flesh and blood for this reason. When this light lights upon you, this knowledge is like a light bulb that turns on into your conscience, your reality, and you see it and you know it's true. And this happens. This was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. But, I'll say this again, I love God's but. I do. If you go through the scripture and you read every time, God says, but God, it's a whole life changing experience. Without that but God in your life, all you and I get is a hamster life. We wake up every morning and we do life and you spin your little wheel and you go to bed and you sleep and the next morning you spin your wheel and then one day you're dead. And all you ever did was spun your little wheels. That's it. And you don't go to your eternal destination with anything more than what you came into the world with. In fact, many go there with a great loss. But, God, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Do you see that life change? No more hamster wheel. You turn into a human being. What a difference. You turn into a child of heaven. No more life wheel earth. No, no, no. From a human being to a spiritual being, that life transformation is much greater than if a hamster would turn into a human. And here's how much greater it is. It lives forever. Eternal life. That's how much greater. It became 
the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, the first birth, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You can't will it. You can't determine it. You can't make it happen. It comes through grace. By grace through faith. And the word became flesh. This word is right here for a reason. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. Or of his fullness, those who believe and have been given the right to become a child of God, for of his fullness we all have received. And grace upon grace, help upon help, is for us. Not God fighting against us. Help. 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 Every day. Help. Grace. 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 So that Christ is formed in us. Great is this mystery of God likeness because God comes and helps you and me and turns every circumstance, every situation in our life from the time we're born to the time we take our last physical breath into this purpose, this destination of becoming like God, being changed in the inner man from glory to glory. And great is his help, help upon help upon help to the human being who has that faith. There was a word that I shared with someone at the store. It was at the counter. And the Lord just brought me this word. I don't even remember our conversation. I shared it with the boys then the next morning, I think. In Proverbs, it says, A merry heart or a happy heart has a continual feast. And the Lord interpreted this way to me. If you are in my joy, because I was pondering Brother Phillips, uh, Brother Nathan's uh, sermon last Sunday, Nathan Johnson, when he shared with us, Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in everything. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. How in the world do I do that? And the Lord gave me this secret from Proverbs. A merry heart, a happy heart, has a continual feast. Phil, if you are living in my joy, you will feast on every circumstance I bring to you. It will be a feast of joy. Boy, that's not even possible in this human world of grumbling and complaining, in this human life where I want to complain about the rain and I want to complain when it's hot and I want to complain when I'm hungry and I want to complain when I'm full. I want to complain when I have too much money and I want to complain when I don't have enough. I want to complain and complain and murmur and grumble and complain and argue about everything. But the Lord says, do all things without complaining and arguing. But I do it with everything, and so does everybody else in my life. Everyone in the world does that all day long. Argue 
and complain. Against God and the Holy Spirit, we argue with Him about everything in my life. How does that change? Changes when the Holy Spirit transforms your inner man to living in the joy of His Creator and everything, a happy heart, that heart, has a continual feast. It feasts on everything and turns every negative and positive experience. There is no more negative and positive. Everything is a continual feast. You want to live that life? As Brother Nathan said, you want to be a Christian? You want to be that Christian? You want Christ to do that in you? You can't force that to happen. Christ came in the flesh, and that's the life he lived with his Father. Never complained once. Never argued once. Or either he was a liar, because he said, I only do my Father's will. I don't do anything out of my own initiative. My Father, I just look at him, and I do what he's doing, and I listen, and I speak what he tells me to speak. That's how Jesus said he lived. Either he lied outright or he spoke the truth. He was a man in the flesh just like you and me. But that's the life he lived. The only life on the earth in his day that lived like that. He was the true light, which now through the Holy Spirit comes to lighten your world and make you the light of the world. Make you and I light our world in the same way. Christ came in the flesh. The second word in that one is found in Hebrews chapter 2 to substantiate this truth. In Hebrews chapter 2, I'm going to begin reading in verse 10. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory. What glory? Just bringing them home to heaven? No, no, no. Bringing them into a life of glory. Transforming their life from glory to glory while they lived on the earth. And then, yes, eternal destination. In a moment, we're going to be changed. First John 3 says, when we see him, we'll be changed to be like him. But in this moment, he wants to change us into this glory. In bringing many sons to glory, to perfect, to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. You're my brethren and sisters. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Verse 14. Since then the children share in flesh and blood. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. Now he wants to share that glory with you and me. In our flesh and blood. Since then the children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise also partook of the same. That through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. And might deliver those who through fear of death 
were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. That's the mystery of godliness, Christ coming in the flesh. The second one, going back to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 3. He was revealed in the flesh. He was done so to give you and I a hope that he can be revealed in you and in me. Was vindicated in the spirit. It means in the spirit, in his inner man, he was vindicated. He was witnessed. Heaven was behind him and justifying him. In the world, he was not believed on. He came to his own and they did not receive him. You can read that in John chapter 5, 6, and 7. They said, who do you think you are? What, you just justify yourself. You just tell us yourself. Give us proof that you are the Son of God. And he said, I won't give you proof. My Father is the one who vindicates me. And this experience, this identity that Jesus had with his heaven witness, I call it. Dear brother, sister, without that without you and I being vindicated in the spirit like he was and us being changed in, with that vindication, we are a bunch of insecure, orphan-like children of God. And we will live like that. We won't be delivered from the fear of death. We won't be delivered from the fear of man. We won't be delivered from our own insecurities, from our own failures. We're going to be subject to all of that flesh stuff. And we'll live by it, we'll be controlled by it, and we'll act upon it, and we'll talk out of it like we're just going to be a mere human. That's what Paul said the Corinthian church was like. They were acting like just mere men, normal people. When they were to be vindicated by the Holy Spirit. And I ask you this morning, Jesus was vindicated. You might believe that, but it's your faith taking you and your personal life experiences being vindicated by the Holy Spirit. Heaven bearing witness that you're the Son of God. Romans chapter 8. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That witness no one can take from you and no one can give to you except the Holy Spirit. And you and I are to live by that witness. And most times, men and women will not understand. No one will understand. But you'll have the witness. You and I should live with that witness. Beheld by angels. And this is also very important. Do you believe that angels are standing ready to help you? In Psalm 103, it says, They are all ministers of God standing ready to give aid to those whom God loves. Jesus was witnessed and ministered to by angels. I love this word. Twice 
in Mark chapter 2 at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And I like how Mark records this. Actually, it's Mark chapter 1. In Mark chapter 1, verse 12. And immediately the Spirit impelled him to go out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. In Christ's temptation, which the Spirit had not tempted him, but led him into a wilderness place, and there Satan tempted him. And I want you to note that distinct difference. God does not tempt any man, James 1. Every man is tempted when they are drawn away with their own lusts and enticed. That's where temptation happens. However, Jesus was not... On his own initiative, he did not go out into the wilderness just because he felt like going there. He was led into the wilderness to fast for 40 days. You and I can be led into a wilderness experience in life by the Holy Spirit. That means an alone kind of experience. May not be a physical one. You may still go on with your life and be with your family, but inside you're lonely. A lonely spot in your life. And the Spirit leads us there. Everyone of God's children, we become like Him. And in that place, Satan loves to attack. Because it's like a little lamb, you know, going off on its own and being alone. And the lion and the wolf are there and they go, oh yeah, that's my chance. Satan knows when the Holy Spirit leads God's people, his child, into a lonely place. And that's where he comes to tempt, to destroy, to kill. However, look what Jesus experienced in his hour of temptation. Being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts. And many times wild things go on there. There's a lot of danger in that lonely place. But God gives help. Was Jesus alone there? No. Read on. And the angels were ministering to him. He was in a lonely place, but he was not alone. Angels were there. In another place it says angels were strengthening him. And then later, at the end of his physical life, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Luke tells us that when Jesus was struggling with the death of the cross, angels were there ministering. I don't know what they all said to him, what they all did with him, but they helped him. And so it is with every one of God's people. If you'll believe things you don't see, angels are there. In your hour of testing, temptation, in your lonely places, God is faithful. And as he ministered to his son, he's ministering to you and me through angels. But if you don't believe you have that kind of help, as your faith is, so be it unto you. You know what you'll do? You'll live by the faith that you have. And you'll just live like a mere man and think happen and chance is happening to you. And you're all alone in your struggle. And when we feel that way, we act just like everybody else does when they're that way. We argue, 
we become grumpy, we grumble, we complain, we see absolutely no good in it in our lives. He was beheld by angels. He was proclaimed among the nations. And indeed he was even at his birth. Where did those wise men come from afar? They weren't of the nation of Israel. Someone had proclaimed to the nations, Christ the Lord is born. Angels proclaimed it to the shepherds. He still is proclaimed among the nations. And in his death and in his resurrection and in his ascension, it didn't just affect the Jews, the nation of Israel. All of us, most of us, probably all of us are Gentiles. We come from those nations. And so Christ is not at Jerusalem where you ought to worship. No. He's proclaimed all over the world. Believed on in the world. It is interesting to me that it has it there, right there. After he's proclaimed, and to many as receive him, as believe on his name, to those he became, he gave the right to become a son, a child of God, a daughter of God. You must have faith. Faith after the proclamation is what makes the proclamation a personal experience with God. But the proclamation without faith will do nothing for you. In fact, it may even harden your heart. My mind goes to the warning given to us in Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 4, Therefore, let us fear, lest while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you should seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us. Have you had good news preached to you? They did too. Just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them. That means they're just as good without it. Did nothing for them. If you get no profit in anything, you can work all day long. And if you get zero profit at the end of the day, it did nothing for you. Except give you an exercise. That's it. And that's oftentimes what the word preached is to people. It burns up some of their time. They come and sit in churches. They go to meetings. They, they read their Bible. But it doesn't profit their soul. It's just an exercise. But the word they heard did not profit them. Because it was not united by faith in that which in those who heard. Unless you unite the proclamation with faith, you believe on it, you act on that faith, you obey, as Romans says, the obedience of faith. It'll profit you nothing. Angels can help you. You'll never know it. You act like you had no help at all. You'll never acknowledge it. Every day, Angels are helping you, and you don't even acknowledge it or say thank you. All you do is grumble and complain and argue with God. Because you don't have faith. Prophets, you nothing. All their help, no avail to your soul. Or do you believe? Do you see through the eyes of faith the help you're getting every day? Every moment, right now, there are angels ministering 
this word to your soul. They're standing ready to help you live it as you walk out these doors. They'll walk with you. Will you receive their help? Will you acknowledge that God is on your side? Is your help? Or will God fight against you? Because he loves you so much and you refuse to believe. And the last point, he was taken up into glory. And if you don't believe that, you're one miserable Christian. I didn't say that. Holy Spirit did. 1 Corinthians 15. If we would only have faith in this world, we are of all men most to be pitied. The King James says, miserable. No wonder the world pities the Christians. They live like mere men, but they proclaim this otherworldliness. What a pity. They pity you. They call us in bondage. They call us all the, you know, when you're enlightened and when you're set free, the world says you're set free from all that religious stuff. Now I can do whatever I want. I'm enlightened. I'm set free to do whatever I want. It's because that's how we live it. Shame on us. We live with our faith in this world. But if we believe that Jesus was taken up into glory, John 14 will become the reality of your life and my life every day. Let not your heart be troubled, child of God. Why are you troubled and bothered about so many things? Jesus said to Martha in the kitchen. Why are you going around living your hamster life? You are to be pitied, you poor hamster. Who doesn't pity a poor hamster? Set him free. Well, Christ has come. He was taken up into glory for this reason. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And 1 Corinthians 15 says, if Christ isn't raised from the dead, we're of all men most miserable if he hasn't ascended to glory. But now Christ is risen and he has ascended to glory. And we celebrate not a dead king. We celebrate one who is there working on our behalf, making intercession for the saints every day and preparing an eternal destination in us. Did you get that? A lot of Christians have their hope in streets of gold. Really? Streets of gold? I mean, you walk on, you're just going to be walking on gold. What's that going to do for you? What's that going to do for you? If you're still the same miserable, arguing, complaining wretch that you were here. You're going to complain about that. Your mansion's not going to be big enough your gold is not going to be worth enough. There's something going to be wrong in heaven. What's going to be right is that there won't be any proud one there. The only souls that will be there are the redeemed ones who have walked by faith on the earth and are there by faith, by grace, through faith. And they'll be changed in a moment. They're being changed here into that destination and that moment, they'll be like him.
absolutely perfect. Don't you long for that day? I do. And that's who I'm coming to celebrate. He's made the way. I am this way. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said right after that. I go to prepare a destination for you. Had he not ascended, he would not have sent the Holy Spirit to do this work in you and my heart. And we could present every sacrifice of bulls and goats on the earth. We could kill them all for him. And it wouldn't save our souls. But sacrifice, he did not desire. But a body is prepared for you and me. Because he gave his body a living sacrifice. And now, he's doing that in your body, in mine, through his Holy Spirit. That, that's enough. I don't need anything more. That is a great salvation, as Hebrews says. That is a great mystery, but it's true. Thank you so much for your love. Lord, as we partake of this bread, Lord, just help us to remember of what you've done on the cross for my sins and for the whole world. Lord, that you um, were willing to sacrifice your life. Um, Lord, I just pray that we partake of these. Lord, I just Help us to do it as unto you, Father. And just thank you for your love. In Jesus' name. I think I'll just open it up yet. For anybody that has a testimony or something you'd like to share or a prayer request or anything, uh, now's your opportunity. Anybody? That's so true, Katie. I was just thinking what's about hamster life that you were just bringing out to, you know, what what is our life all about, you know? Are we running that hamster life, you know, or are we trying to feel the purpose God has called us to? If, thought I heard some more. Uh, if not, um, we have a new meal prepared, so feel free to stay and partake with us here and, and enjoy the fellowship and the uh, food. Um, why don't we all stand and Brother John, would you ask the benediction and blessing on the meal? Thank you, Lord, for being with us this morning, Lord, and breaking the word of life to us, Lord. We just thank you for that. Help us to go from here, Lord, desiring more and more of you, Lord. And Thank you that you want to live within us, Lord, and you've made provisions for this. We thank you. Thank you for the food, Lord, and may you just bless the fellowship. Dismiss us, Lord, with your love and bless our week. In Jesus' name, amen.